0: Warning, you are now listening to Up in Flames.
1: We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames, we up in flames, we up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, We up in flames, hold on, uh, shut this go We up in flames, yeah uh, We up in, uh, yeah, yeah We up in flames, yeah We up in, uh, yeah We up in flames We up in
0: flames What's going on everybody To another edition of Up In Flames Here on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel As always, I'm your host, Mo, VP of Off the Ball Network and obviously the host of Up in Flames. But today, I got a special guest. I got a guy. I've been, I've been, we've been putting it off. Our schedules haven't matched and we've been needing the leak for the longest and, you know, we have to celebrate something he's done. But before we get into that, I got my guy, Dante Artis, assistant coach, one of the assistant coaches of the Wilson Prep High School team out there in North Carolina. Dante, what's going on, bro?
1: What's
0: up, man? Appreciate you for having me, man. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I had to put you on. Obviously, you know, let, let's just jump straight into it. Uh, you, you've had a lot to celebrate lately. You got You got a little more bling. You know, you got a little more bling added to you. So let's talk about it. Y'all won the state championship. I mean, for, for anybody who's real close to basketball and really understands, bro, winning a state championship is high school on any level, whether it's player, whether it's coach or even fans, uh, uh, you know, uh, being from that city, that's, that's a big deal. That, that's putting on for the city that that's bringing something to brag about. So, as winning the state championship, what is what has life been like? It, it just walk me through the process. Just just walk me through you state championship, the process to the getting there, the, the whole grind. Just walk me through everything to ultimately be able to hoist up that state championship.
1: All right, so. A lot of people, when we, uh, last year when they first started, you know, it was kind of odd because a lot of the, um hard scheduling games because of COVID and all that stuff like that. So we uh we were just happy to have a season because right before the season started, well, yeah, right when school started, uh, our whole conference had dropped out. But uh, one team, which was North Edge, Cone, so that kind of killed our scheduling right there, and they limited us to a certain amount of games. I think it was 14, if I'm mistaken. So mm-hmm. – only thing, only teams we played was um, North Edgecombe, which was a conference game, and it was only two games, because we had to go to them. They had to come to us, and that was um, that was gonna decide who win the conference championship. So, <laughs> and then uh, we uh, Greenfield, they down the road from us. That's where our Ant played at him and Coach Juice. They played there, played there, so they did a good job for looking out and scheduling with us two games. So we ended up with four games in the regular season. And uh, the first two games were against Greenfield. They, they, they're a well-known uh, program. Everybody's familiar with Cubby White going there and stuff like that. So, yeah, we played them. First game came down to the wire. We lost by one. The second game, we just didn't show up as a team, period. And it it wasn't good for us. So, everybody, after, that, after those two games, we started off 0-2. That seemed like the world would come down. Everybody in the, in the area uh, thought that was going to be pretty good and, and stuff like that. You hear all the talks and the barbershops and stuff. So we were just telling my guys like, hey man, don't worry about the outside noise. It was our first two games. We trying to, we trying to we trying to figure out what you know what I'm saying, like yeah. our team and stuff like that. Don't worry about it. Let's bounce back. So our next two games versus North Edge home, we beat pretty bad. And just like that, we'll were, we we're getting ready for the playoffs. <laughs> like just like that. And um far as the playoffs. The first game, it was an easy game. I can't remember what team we played. It was an easy game. It was like a kind of like a 2-0 high a normal playoff would be, first round. And uh, after that, it was just like we were beating the odds. Like every time we go on – see, me, I'm the type of guy. Some people don't like to see what's be put on social media and stuff. I'm always looking for some, something to get me routed up. So I go look on Twitter and stuff, and I see people picking, them, picking teams over us because they got one-star guy. And am yep. and me and the staff, we not ask, we not not saying like we cocky or whatever. But we like, hey man, we we too good of a staff and too good of a team for to let one guy beat us. So our philosophy was kind of like, okay, if he a good player, he gonna score, he gonna have his moment. But let's wear him out, cause once we make him check out mentally, the other guys will check out, cause that's who they lean on. And that's yeah. that for the philosophy. That was our philosophy the whole playoff. And we played against some good guys, man. They had some. It was some good teams, but we realized they all lean on that one, one or two guys, and not go just to make it so tough on him. Where third quarter, he ready to check himself out mentally. He he done, he fatigued, and we you know so that's when we can mash the gas a little harder and take it to another level. And you know, what I'm saying man, come out victorious, and that's what we did the whole playoff. But we got to the championship game. I mean, everybody in the area was rooting for us, but then again, we got that vibe where it's like. Something gonna happen. It seemed like I see the curse when it when mm-hmm. it comes to the state championship. It seemed like I see the just curse, but like, it like it ain't gonna happen. It's kinda like how people probably figure with my Phoenix Sun. Oh, they got the roster to do it, but I just can't see the Phoenix Suns winning the championship. You know what right. I'm saying? But then we went down there. Um it wasn't a normal championship game. Usually we uh, our, our games be held in um uh, at PSC uh arena at NC State or um at Carolina, Chapel Hill. The gym, mm-hmm. so had to switch it up a little bit this year, and like I said, I look, me and the staff, we look for something to get us going and look for something to take the practice to get our players going, and like a few days before um, the championship game, high school OT had interviewed our uh, coach, Ant, and the head coach of Lincoln Charter, which is, which is the team that we played in the uh, championship game, and he, he, he wasn't he all oh, cocky, but he he was saying some stuff that kind of rubbed us the wrong way. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I can't remember all the stuff he said, but he rubbed us the wrong way. And we took it to practice and we showed the players, like, this is what this team think of you. And it just, you can see it on their face. They was ready to go. But then after that, we got them locked in and on the go. And we just told, we just told them, hey, man, do what we do. Well, you know, we're going to have a change. Let's do what we do. And, I, a lot of our guys ain't never been in a game like that, so we knew it was gonna be a perfect game. But we, but when the game started, man, we we probably played like a, a D plus, the first yeah. half, and we I think we went down in uh at halftime down by like ten, and once we went to halftime, the guys went fussing at each other, but you can see the sense of urgency. You can see, ah oh, man, we got to do this, we got to do that. Oh, we got you know what I'm saying. We just calling the guy down like, hey man, that's just the first half. Like think about it, we played. One of our worst games all year, and one of our biggest games all year. Um, all year, and we only down by ten. Yeah. So we just had we just had to get the guys regrouped and stuff, and they went out the, the like I say like the first half of the third quarter doing the same old stuff, and then I think Coach Ant called a timeout, and he he mainly looked at the seniors. He took them out the game. He said, "Hey man, hey, this all y'all got this last quarter and a half, whether you win or lose." It's gonna stick with stick with you forever, so you might well make the best out of it. And this all you got, and they they you know what I'm saying they responded well, and we went to the bench and put in some guys that really one of Royal Williams' moves. really, really didn't play it a lot the whole year, and they gave the team a spark, and we just took off, man. We just took off, and we ended up winning by I think double digits, and I got I got something to show. That's how we end up with one of these.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
1: how we end up with these. So it, it was a good little story, man. man. I'm just glad the guys and even myself, man, I know came close playing as a um, being a player and it was just kind of cool to finally get over that hump and bring one back to the city.
0: Yeah. I mean, 100%. I mean, y'all basically, but well, when you put things in perspective, y- y'all won. it's the biggest thing a lot of people ever win in their life. You know, um, lot, a lot of them kids go on, won't have a lot of success, at least team success uh, when they play in college. Some of them kids are going to the NBA Never, never win an NBA championship. Uh, might compete for one, but but a lot of people like whether whether they have individual success in their careers, bro. They win a state championship. That might be the biggest thing they've ever won in their life and ever will win. Uh, obviously, you know, getting drafted will be like the best thing to ever happen to them. Stuff like that. Um, if they do move on, but as far as winning goes, like no, no, nothing might match a, a state championship. So obviously, before we before we talk about how y'all go defend y'all state championship, we just gotta give y'all a round of applause. But yeah, so you know, obviously, a big congratulations, y'all, bro. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the team. I've talked to Ant before, so I'm definitely proud of him. So before we talk about how how to defend, y'all won the state championship. The 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 hype video of winning kind of came out. Ant broke down. He was emotional, bro. Like it just it was overwhelming for him. So seeing that kind of emotion from him, what was it from you? How how were you? What was the emotions after? Like like, were you living? How I many? How long were you living on a high being a state champion? How long did it feel till it was like real that you was a state champion? Like, give me like the days and the weeks following winning the state championship. What life was like?
1: Uh, when when the buzzer went off and we was officially state champions, the me like we 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 always got a mentality is when somebody getting weak pick him up. And I remember running on the court. It's on the video. And I just seen my brother, like, I just, like, just getting teary. I'm not going to see him getting weak. And as soon as he was dropping, I decided I got to catch him, pick him back up. And I, and I whispered in his ear. I said, man, let's go celebrate. Let's go celebrate. We did it. And we talk about it to this day. And it just like, after, I say, <laughs> after about a week of uh, winning the state championship, man, we was, we was ready to go back again, like get back in the gym, man. But we decided to let the guys rest and enjoy the moment and stuff like that. But it's it's definitely been a good feeling, man. Everywhere you go, you get getting love. And I go to the grocery store. Hey, man, y'all did it. Y'all did it and stuff like that. Everywhere I go, people dapping me up, dapping the players up. Uh, the rest of the staff appreciate appreciate um us for bringing something back to the city and bringing their attention back to Wilson. And we also got invited up to Raleigh you know what I'm saying, to, um, to do some stuff up there, too. So it was just big, and we had a mayor come to our school when we all uh, got our rings and stuff, and he had some good stuff to say about us. I mean, it's just been all love in the city, man. they just been thanking us, and it just make you want to do it again and again and again and again. So, yeah, we, you know what I'm saying, we ready to uh, get back and, you know what I'm saying, defend our, the, defend our state championship.
0: Yeah, I mean, people don't realize how big high school sports really is. You know, they think it's it's for the athletes and, and it's for the coaches. But like you put on for the city. Like you, you know, a lot of a lot of teams they wear in the city across their chest. That's who they're representing. Uh, and then you even talk about the little kids, you know, the future, the future of Wilson, the guys who are the, the kids who are five, six, seven years old wanting to hoop, coming to the games and just seeing what the future of putting on for the city looks like. So it just gives everybody that hope and it's like you know. Some of them, you know, some of your players really don't realize the impact that they had on that five, six or seven year old or uh, uh, anybody that's watching them play f- for the rest of their life. Like, that, you know, seeing that success from a 16, 17 year old kid, somebody's big brother, somebody big cousin will ultimately probably, you know, impact that young, that young boy for the rest of his life and, and put him in a position where that's where I want to be. I, I want to be that same person one day. I want to hold up that state championship, you know. Uh, I want to be the star of that team. I want to put on for the city. I see what it does. So y'all won the state championship. How? How? What is y'all's preparation to defend it? Because winning one, you know, ultimately being a top tier team, but winning the state championship, beating all odds. Now, you you know, y'all on the map. Like you said, you know, the city's on the map. The school is on the map. Y'all as coaches are on the map. Y'all got targets on y'all back. The players got targets on their back. Uh, and obviously you're going to be majority of your games next year. You're going to be the best game. You, you're going to be the best team they play. Uh, You're going to be the team they look forward to playing. You know, we got to take down the defending state champs, you know, that pride thing. So how school's about to start up, which means, you know, once school starts, you, you roll through football season real quick, and it seems like basketball right there. I mean, I'm sure y'all starting, you know, training and open gyms here already. So, What's the plan? How, how y'all? How do y'all plan on defending it? And is defending a state championship something that's realistic?
1: Well, uh, we got to um, prove people wrong again because uh, after the um, this past year, we uh, we lost like nine guys, which were seniors. So now everybody said y'all lost y'all big guns. What y'all got? What y'all got? They, you know, so they're gonna have a drop off. So it's kind of like the same thing as last year, man. Just go out there and be us, and just prove people wrong to just have that chip on your shoulder and stuff like that. Just go out there every time, you know what I'm saying? Every time you go out there, step between the line, just have a chip on your shoulder and just give it your all. Like it's going to be your last game. And that's what we tell our kids all the time. You never know when it's going to be your last game. You never know. Like, so just go out there and bust your tail and just give it your all. Simple as that.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, like you said, it's just you go out there and work. Yeah. Obviously, I know you know I know uh coach and ain't, ain't he not worried about the noise. I know like you said, y'all use that as motivation. So how do if you've had these conversations, how do the players feel? The returning, the little bit of returning players, and even if you were if you were giving advice, obviously you being being the OG to these high school kids, you're giving advice. How are you prepping the new players? wearing this Wilson Prep jersey, coming in, playing for a team that's defending a state title, how do you prepare those players, the new players and even the returning guys who is part of of the state championship team but also going to be part of the team they say y'all going to have to drop off, how are you preparing them and and mentally making them feel like they could do exactly, you know, repeat what was done?
1: Well, we, we let them know the standard and we let them know what Coach Aint say all the time. We ain't lowering it for nobody. It's even you. You you live up to the standard, or you go play somewhere else. And that's what we, that's what we tell the returner guys. We, that's what we told. Tell, we telling the new guy that's coming up, even transferring over or coming up from um the JV or something like that. Hey, we ain't lowering the standard. So you even work on your game to live up to it, and you be a good person on the court and off the court, or you just go find somewhere else to play or be a spectator, go on the stands and watch or something. Because we ain't gonna change for nobody. And anybody that knows us. can can tell you we ain't gonna change for nobody and um we just letting them know man last year man we was looking for games and we was trying to schedule all the big teams and every time we called they said it was full which they was because everybody want to play the big team so it's it's, it don't take long for them to fill up their schedule and now a year later now it's like every every school in the in, in the state calling us to play us like big time schools like you know what i'm saying and now our schedule full and we can't, you know what I'm saying? So just like, we just let them know what a year can do. Well, you know, how much, how much can change in a year. And we just tell them, Hey man, this is what we, this is what we predicted when we first came over here at Wilson Prep, And we ain't going to change it for nobody. We just going to keep climbing up. We just going to keep going up. We ain't going to have no drop off. We're gonna, we going to keep going up.
0: Yeah. So like you said, um man, y'all, y'all got something to defend. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure if y'all can have it y'all way, y'all gonna put, you know, get them Tom Brady hands and have to have two hands to show off y'all state championship. So we talked about Wilson, we talked about winning the state championship over there. Now let's talk about your team that made it and fell short. Uh so we're we gonna talk about the Phoenix Suns a little bit. Um obviously, y'all had a great year. Made it to the NBA Finals. Uh take Milwaukee to six, was up 2 0. Looked like ultimately you know, y'all were going to run away with the championship. That's what it looked like up 2-0. Monty Williams had just flat out out-coached Bud. Uh, Coach Bud at that point, you know, everybody besides Giannis, nobody really came to play for Milwaukee. Chris Paul figured it out. Devin Booker figured it out. Uh, the moment didn't seem too big for any of those players like some would have predicted. They, you know, it was a young team. First time ever in the playoffs for a lot of those guys, and they actually make it to the NBA Finals. You know, thought they would kind of fold under pressure, so Y'all fell short in six. Obviously, it was a little disappointing. I wanted to see Chris Paul. You know, I wa- I wanted to see Chris Paul get his first championship. I'm sure, like a lot of us uh, growing up, who probably loved Chris Paul. So, just as a whole, how, what what was your overall thoughts on the Phoenix Sun season?
1: Uh, I was very happy. I mean, that's what I pre- I predicted. I mean, I predicted us to go that far, and everybody laughed at me. But I knew we had a roster, did I? Really, really feel like we could make it that far. I knew we had a chance, but it's like I'm as a fan. I'm real, real happy and I'm satisfied with it because mainly our team is built around a bunch of young players, and, and other than Chris Paul, and for them to be making it to first for, for for one, it was our first playoff experience, and I don't know how long. Then right. two, our young guys responded well in the playoffs from playing against the Lakers, even though there was a little banged up, to sweeping down which was a good team with um mvp out there and you know beating a good clipper team even though they were a little short of Kawhi luna they still had a good good solid team and for them to respond to you know what I'm saying, some of those teams and stuff like that i was i was real satisfied of course i wanted to win the championship but i mean i mean i think it's gonna be it's gonna be beneficial down the road i but i really would wanted it for chris paul but I, th- I definitely think Devin Booker, uh, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and all those guys, DeAndre Ayton, all those guys got better though, just from facing those teams and even losing to the Bucks. I think they really got. I think they really got better. Though. I think Devin Booker learned a lot from Drew Holiday, as far as on the defensive end and working hard to score. Him and PJ Tucker and those type of guys, and DeAndre Ayton, what in his early twenties, and he's he had a guard um, guard Giannis. You know I said Giannis and stuff like that. So I mean, I I I think it will benefit us down the road and stuff. But of course, I wanted to win it all. But you know, sometimes you gotta take a little bump and bru- bruise here and there to get where you want to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, so like I said, y'all kind of fell short. Uh, like you said though, that playoff experience. You know, coming to be able to bounce back next year. Now, had they have won the championship, I would have felt a little bit about different about Phoenix's future the only reason I say that you got a bunch of young guys that could be the best worst thing for any franchise when when guys outplay their where the, their draft stock you know and then when if they come out of that their first four to five years of win the championship the price go up so now DeAndre Ayton worth a little more even though he, he's turned into a really good player but that championship status makes him worth a little more and obviously Devin Booker who he's gonna get paid. He's gotten paid and he would deserve to get paid, but he gets more. And then, you know, he ends up possibly making an all-NBA team. So now his contract become a little more expensive. Mikel Bridges, uh being a key contributor on the championship team, you know, he's put on notice. A lot of other teams, he'll be that team. Or he'll be that player when it comes to to free agency. It's a bidding war. And, and Finn is gonna have to match, and there's gonna be that team that's gonna be willing to to pay that maximum price that Bridges is allowed to earn and Phoenix has to decide. Well, so I do think for the future, it was kind of good that they didn't win yeah. because you don't have in your core, you don't have a single player in their prime, which therefore means you have a possibility prices haven't gone up yet. Guys are going to get paid what they deserve, but ultimately it didn't become, I don't think the core becomes too expensive to keep together. Uh you was able to you retain Chris Paul. I'm sure uh, Jake Potter obviously is coming back. You know, so what's next for Phoenix? We talk about the season, which was an incredible season against all odds. Uh what's next for the Phoenix Suns?
1: Uh, I think against some people to protect the rim because as you see, as you see, uh when the when Greek freak was driving to the basket, I mean he won't really nobody there to even make, make, make it miserable down there for him because Aiton was the guy he was driving on. So, yeah, I mean like Aiton was um, guarding himself. So when he drive past Aiden, Aiden, drive past Aiton, he wasn't really nobody there. I mean, you had uh, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, Saurik before he got hurt, Kaminsky uh, guy, Jay Crowder. I mean, that's gold. If you're the Greek freak and you drive and you see guys under the basket that's Four, five, six inches shorter than you. You know what I'm saying. You're not gonna do nothing with that. So, I think about going out, signing McGee, and somebody that you know what I'm saying, like somebody that can really help us. You know, what I'm saying? mainly defend, um, around the rim, get some um alley hoops, some you know what I'm saying Cl- um, crash the offensive glass. So I, I like that uh signing a lot, and um uh, they hoping um Jalen Smith live up to his draft stocks. Um, uh, my last year lottery pick. He's doing pretty heavy, a little strong summer league right now. And Him at 6-11 with being able to shoot and long, got long arms and stuff like that, he can be a guy that um help us next year, you know what I'm saying, that, that goes on the radar and help us next year.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, like you said, they did need a little more rim protection. DeAndre Ayton was getting, you know, in foul trouble in the NBA Finals. Everything was smooth. Everything looked good for Phoenix going up to 0 uh, but then that's kind of when Milwaukee finally, you know, Coach Bud actually added adjustments yeah. to his repertoire of coaching, and we know that's something that, you know, I've been very critical of, and I think a lot of people have been very critical of, has been, you know, his his lack of adjustments. And so you know, Milwaukee was able to make them adjustments, get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble. So now with the addition of JaVale McGee, you know, because Kaminsky just – he couldn't even slightly make up what, what Phoenix was lacking without DeAndre Ayton. Like, it just – uh, Drew Holiday, you know, as much as I love Chris Paul, Chris Paul's older. And Drew Holiday, you know, finally realized that and, and hounded Chris Paul 94 feet. Yeah. And that changed the whole aspect of how effective Chris Paul was. And and everybody likes to dig at Chris Paul and say, well, he folded. If you actually look at his numbers yeah. in games three through six, Chris Paul did not play bad. He didn't play bad at all. He had, a you know, a costly turnover here and there. But overall, his stats were not bad, but he was worn down. And you've seen that towards the end of every game. That defense that Drew Holiday was playing, you could tell it got to him. Uh, you know, you could tell it got to him towards the end of the game. And and Drew Holiday continued that. And it just ultimately, it was like Drew Holiday played as long as Chris Paul played, and he hounded him. And it wasn't about offense for Drew Holiday. Uh, he, he had like two good offensive games. But ultimately, it was about what can you do for me for defense, Chris Middleton stepped up and had a couple big games. PJ Tucker, we know the dog he is defensively. They were throwing him on, you know, Devin Booker. Uh, they would take a turn. Then they had Bobby Portis, like they were taking turns with those guys, uh, throwing them on Devin Booker. Just Milwaukee had a lot of a lot of ammo, honestly, and they're bringing back majority of the team. But they just had a lot of ammo to really, you know, once they made them adjustments to really ultimately get right and get with Phoenix. And I just think Phoenix didn't have enough when it came to the finals because that team, but throughout the playoffs, you could see it, but they were they were good enough and made it happen, is they were real reliant on Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Uh, his greatest campaign played, and I think, you know, once he got hurt, the little bit of time that he missed, I think that made a difference too because he was that scorer coming off the bench. He was playing with, you know, high confidence. So when, when you took that aspect away for Phoenix, Uh, It changed the game. And like I said, it seemed like they became too reliant on Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Uh, You've seen that with Mikel Bridges. He he wasn't as great when Chris Paul was getting hounded and Devin Booker was on a bad shooting night. The offense just wasn't the same. The players weren't stepping up the way they did. And that was what I applauded for Phoenix was most of the victories and their great performances in the playoffs wasn't – it wasn't about Devin Booker. It wasn't about Chris Paul. We know they're going to get theirs. It was about the fact that they had a third or fourth guy. Uh, outside of Phoenix's big three to step up and give me 15 to 20 points if it wasn't bridges it was Crowder. if it wasn't either one of those two it was Payne. you've had cam Johnson like if he got hot he'll give you 15 to 18 or five or six threes made um in a game and so that's what I applauded for Phoenix was just that depth so what what, what what's you talk about what's next what they needed so what's the ultimate success for Phoenix next season?
1: just uh just compete and be be back in the hunt obviously we already know the west is loaded the east getting loaded too so just can't say uh we're gonna be back next year but just compete man just go back and you're gonna get everybody the best shot everybody know you're not you're not no you know what i'm saying like no slouts no more so and i'm pretty sure don't teams like the Lakers and the stuff know hey man they put us out last year in the first round we had a had a banger AD, but we don't appreciate that. You know, are probably saying, "Hey man, they swept us. We we ain't that bad of a team for them to sweep us in for four straight games." And you know, every all them gonna get their um get team's best shot. Devin Booker, obviously everybody, everybody talking about him. So now you gonna have on Pat Bells and stuff want their want their face back and stuff like that. So it just come back and just you know try just compete. That's all you can do in the NBA is compete, especially on the West Coast where probably one through nine or ten is stacked and loaded. So, the only thing you do is just come out, go out there and show up every night and just try to – the season really start now and get better in the offseason, you
0: know. Yeah. Back. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be tough for Phoenix. And like you said, I mean, a lot of teams are coming back healthy. But then not only that is, is like you said, like, you know, they just got their target painted on their back. Like, they just won the conference for the team to beat. You know, I'm big on – Champions are the team to beat no matter who's favorite, no matter what Vegas says. Like, they won the West. What's therefore means they're the team to beat in the West. They they coming in as the reigning Western conference champion. You, you got to take that title from them. Can't take that title from them in a regular season. Can't take that title from them in the first round of the playoffs unless you ultimately beat them. Then you know they're not going to earn that title. But you know, we got the Lakers. We got the Nuggets. Like you said, I mean, one through nine is loaded. Hopefully, Clay is coming back healthy, so we'll be able to see Golden State and the Splash Brothers and uh, see what they do. So there's a lot that Phoenix is going to have to conquer again uh, to ultimately get back to the finals, let alone. But I do think them having that experience, that playoff experience, Devin Booker, you know, obviously we know Chris Paul has playoff experience, but even the hunger of wanting to reach the NBA Finals again, I think that's big. I think that'll be big for for Chris Paul and his motivation to play going into, what, age 37? He's not getting any younger, but you do have DeAndre Ayton. I think because they didn't win the championship, the boys are going to come back hungry. I was just concerned about Phoenix had they won the championship. Great feeling, and realistically, if they never won another one, nobody really would care. Yeah. Uh, You know, ultimately, like, they got that one. But, you know, once you win that championship, business comes into play, and the motivation isn't necessarily always there. Uh, I felt like had Phoenix being so young in the championship, it could go one of two ways. And those young guys, like, okay, we could shoot for an elite type of legacy, uh, individually and as a team. But also, you business comes along, and the the incentives of making money gets higher. You know, like I said, the price of every player goes up. the 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 sponsorship deals outside the outside the league, you know, the individual endorsements start coming in because you guys are champions. So now you can be the face of everything. So all that stuff plays in a factor. And, and sometimes business can reside over, you know, I won't call it pleasure because their job is business, but, you know, they're playing a the game they love. But the business side is how to maximize uh, their talents to make as much money as possible. And obviously it makes it easier when you win championships. So I feel like Phoenix uh, was going to struggle with that. So, you know, that, that kind of wraps it up uh, before we go. Just plug in, you know, anybody anywhere you want people to follow you and just you know, how can we follow Wilson Prep this season if we're not in the state of North Carolina, but but want to be able to check them out and check out your journey on uh what well, hopefully we can come back and talk about a back-to-back state championship.
1: Yeah, uh, you can keep up with us on our uh, team page, Wilson Prep Hoops on Twitter and stuff like that. And um my, my, uh, my Twitter is Dart5 Dart5 on Twitter and stuff, you just keep up with us that way. And hopefully, um, I guys be like, um, uh, I games be live stream, um, d- um, this upcoming year. And whenever, uh, we find out what's going on, I will post a stream on, the um, on, um, my page or the team page and follow us up there. Okay. It's going to, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, it's going to be a good little show this year, man. we got some good stuff coming, man. We got some good stuff, but we just can't release it right now. It, it's going to be coming up soon, though.
0: And y'all heard the man. They got a lot of big stuff coming up soon. So make sure y'all go check out Wilson Prep. And make sure y'all check out everything they got going on. Like I said, you know, everything this was about, you know, them having the opportunity to defend their state championship and go back to back. So everybody make sure they go follow my guy, Dante Artis, DR5 on Twitter. You know, make sure you go follow their journey. Anyway, you can follow Wilson Prep. Make sure you go follow the head coach, uh, Anthony Atkinson, another great guy. You know who, who's built that program from the ground up. So you know, shout out to him. Shout out to you know just the whole state of North Carolina, the Hoop State, uh, as the, as they love to call it. And and I can't disagree. There's a lot of talent out there. You know, in the state of North Carolina. So you know, obviously a great interview with my guy Dante. Now let let's get into some of the NBA stuff you know that that's been going on obviously you know Draymond Green and Kevin Durant had a sit down uh trying basically hash out some things Draymond needed to know what was on his conscience we'll touch on that just a little bit i know that's kind of a sensitive subject that people are kind of tired of hearing about it so you know we'll kind of we'll hit on that you know towards the end as as we wind down we got a little bit more time left here on up in flames on nothing but net channel on dash radio so I do appreciate everybody for tuning in. You know, I appreciate everybody for listening to that dope interview now. Let's get into the NBA. A lot of things have happened. Like I said, Draymond and KD had a sit down. Uh, Kawhi had signed his contract. Joel and B got a long-term extension, four years, you know, basically for the Supermax. Uh, and LeBron James, you know, this wouldn't be an up in flames episode if I didn't bring up LeBron James. So I want to start there before we kind of, you know, before we kind of get into, you know, you know, shouting out Joel Embiid and where Philly goes from here and Kawhi Leonard and whether that was a great move for the Clippers. I mean, obviously keeping a guy like Kawhi, but let's not get distracted. Let's talk about LeBron James, okay? So, the player votings and, you know, where the GMs and the players and the coaches have voted and he received zero, yes, I said zero votes as the best player in the NBA. And a lot of people will listen to me and expect that I have a problem with that but I don't. We're talking about a guy going into year 19. And this is kind of, I won't say the first time because we'll have to go back some years. And when I say some years, I literally mean some years towards the beginning of his career. But this is the first time in a long time where LeBron has had zero votes, you know, as as the best player in the NBA. And that's okay. It's, it's a new era. And we're kind of seeing... Giannis, you know, maybe he's taking over. Maybe he's, you know, getting the torch passed to him. Maybe not officially. I'm sure if LeBron could handpick the guy that he passes the torch to. Uh, part of me would be, you know, almost 100% sure that it wouldn't be Giannis. But even still, like, you're you're seeing the next wave of, of superstars emerge. I mean, Luka Doncic, Giannis, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, you know, Jalen Brown, Devin Booker, Trey Young, Ice Trey, who made a name for himself for real in these playoffs. And everybody who kind of doubted the the draft night trade of Luca for Trey, kind of, you know, silenced the haters as great as Luca has been. You know, Trey has shown that he belongs in that same tier, and he's here. You know, he kind of became the villain over there, uh, up there up north in Madison Square Garden, and it was amazing to watch. You know, everything that he did in the playoffs, it was amazing to watch. But, you know, LeBron has not been, and everybody's having a field day. And it's like LeBron is entering year 19, and we're now finally kind of coming to the realization that LeBron probably isn't the best player in the NBA. And that's okay. LeBron is still a top five, three to seven, I'll say, in that range of of best players in the league. And that's at year 19. You know, he's about to be 38 years old. Uh, He's 37. So, or he's about to be 37. I apologize. But that's kind of the realm that we're in is we're still talking about a a 37-year-old is still a top Three to seven player in the NBA, however you want to slice and dice it, he would probably be second or third for me, I, I, I kind of give Kate, Kevin Durant the crown, Um, but Giannis, you know, everything that he did in the finals and in the playoffs as a whole, he definitely earned some stakes, so I'm okay with anybody who puts LeBron at three, Uh but outside of, after that, like, I really need to hear your argument to put any of these players ahead of LeBron, obviously... You know, prior to injury, he was an MVP candidate. He was he was leading the MVP race in some people's eyes, not everybody. It, it wasn't, you know, um, it wasn't as a whole. But LeBron was leading the MVP race at one point in time, and he was definitely a high-caliber high MVP candidate uh, prior to the ankle injury. So to say that LeBron doesn't belong in the top five, the top seven, and to, to knock him for not being the best player in the NBA no more is like, you know what, his reign is over it's been time to pass the torch and, and a lot of players have passed the torch a lot sooner or the torch was forcefully passed and kind of, you look at, you know, Jordan and I guess we would say it was Jordan to Kobe uh, from Jordan to Kobe. In a sense, I'm, there were some really great players in between when Kobe really emerged and took over as the best player in the NBA. You had your Tim Duncan, you had Shaquille O'Neal. So it's kind of tough to say that like, it was just, it went from Jordan to, to Kobe uh, you know, because there was some, some, there was a dynasty in there with, with San Antonio. There was a uh, what we consider the the most dominant player of all time, and Shaquille O'Neal. But even if you want to go from Jordan to Kobe, and then Kobe to LeBron, and we've been looking who LeBron is passing it to, and so to say that it's anything short of amazing that LeBron James is passing the torch in year nineteen, and it's forcefully. I don't think he's ready to give it up, but to, for him to not be the best, it's not a knock on him. Everybody wants to make you know this, players aren't voting him king anymore, that it's a knock on him and his legacy. No, all great things come to an end. Jordan's career ended. Jordan playing with the Washington Wizards happened. That did happen. I I know some of you OGs and old school cats like to act like it didn't or that I erased that, you know, memory from the back of my head, but it happened. Kobe's last four to five years, rest in peace to the late, great Kobe, but... You know, his last four to five years were injury riddled. That happened. You know, I know we think about these players in the great times, but there were some some downfalls. Some You know, Kobe, after the Achilles, he just wasn't the same. And even his farewell tour, it was to pay homage to an ultimate legend, an all-time legend in Kobe Bryant. But that season wasn't a success. The team was terrible. Kobe couldn't carry him like he had normally did. And he was at the end of his career. It was okay. Kobe was in year 20. And we accept that. Shaquille O'Neal played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He played for the Boston Celtics. He played for the Phoenix Suns after playing for the Orlando Magic in his prime with the LA Lakers and even winning a championship and, you know, came third in MVP that year with the Miami Heat. But he had a career after that. And we don't kill Shaq. Shaq played for multiple teams, obviously, throughout his career. And we, we make that a dent on some of these players in today's game, but... We we applaud Shaq for his amazing career. And we don't talk about at the end that he tried to, you know, jump on there with Boston and, and play with Boston. He, he played in Phoenix. He ended up in Cleveland trying to win another one. After winning one with uh, Dwayne Wade in Miami, he wanted to go and try and help LeBron win one. Ultimately, that wasn't the same Shaq. So it's I don't want to knock LeBron for not winning one with Shaq when we know that was Shaq well past his prime. Kind of towards the end of his career and he was just trying to get in where he fit in. The Diesel was a name, Superman. However you want to look at it, but that was where he was at. So to say and this was all around the same timeline. Some of these guys hadn't didn't even, you know, make it to really be any type of successful, make the playoffs in, in you know year 18 or anything like that. So we knock LeBron James, and that's just one thing I don't like is don't knock the man for his great career. I understand he's always – and he's done it to himself that he wants to be the greatest player of all time. And, you know, that that argument is such, a, it's such an annoying argument at this point because I feel like if you think LeBron is the GOAT, then cool. There's nothing he'll do to make you change your mind. Otherwise, if you think Jordan is the GOAT – then cool, there's nothing to me that LeBron or pretty much any other player would be able to do for you to ultimately change your mind. So even still, LeBron to me is on the Mount Rushmore, uh, regardless of where I have him placed, just for argument's sake and for listeners to ultimately not try and attack me. But he's on the Mount Rushmore. He's one of the four greatest players to ever play this game. You can't deny it. Ten finals trips, Um, you know, four, you know, finals victories, obviously, four, four championships, four MVPs you know, uh, 17, 16, 17 all-star appearances, uh, 13 or 14 all-NBA appearances. Like, LeBron has had a legendary career, and he's going to go to, obviously, first ballot Hall of Famer. And probably 20 years from now, there'll be that crowd that is saying, you know, maybe he is the undisputed GOAT. The same way that Michael Jordan kind of is to the OGs. When people become my age, I think a lot of people might really say that LeBron is the undisputed GOAT. You know, I think he's... Aging like fine wine. He's getting better with Tom. So it's just one of those. I just hate the fact that him not being the number one player has to really make the news. And I really hate that. I have to talk about it because it's okay. That LeBron is not the best player in the league. It's perfectly okay. But you know, the major media outlets, y'all don't get the real authentic stuff unless you're listening here on dash radio. And you heard my guy, Stephen G uh, of breaking the game and Kenneth prior to me, or you hear my guy, Chris LeBron who's gonna come after me and everybody else at off the ball and, and a lot of the other outlets, the the small time, you know, small town media outlets, we give it to you real. We don't have an agenda and and I just, you know, it was kind of a dead week, and that's why LeBron got so much attention and it's just crazy because football's coming up and we're having to have LeBron James conversations, you know, prior to preseason slate, you know, this past weekend, if you were able to tune in. And college football kicks off, you know, Saturday for for those that are really into college football. And we're here talking about LeBron James. And we're also here to talk about guys NBA 2K ratings. And I'm not going to get into that. That's just it. That's kind of ridiculous. It's a video game. It's virtual reality, which means it's not real. So why are we? I understand we know how 2K can really get, you know, with the ratings. And we know how Madden does, you know, with the football players. So that's not a conversation I want to have of who deserves to be where. They'll build it up in the season, their talent will speak for themselves. yes, people got shafted. people should be hired, but that's just a conversation that I'll let you true virtual reality gamers um and everybody else you know associated with the two k league. if you're really interested in that, then you know I feel like that's a conversation for that show. but let's move on. you know, shout out to LeBron, you know, still a top five player in today's game, still one of the greatest players we've ever seen, you know, where you put them like I said. Is up to you, but let, let's move on to Joel Embiid. He signs his four-year, $198 million contract. Kevin Durant also signed one, and uh, Kawhi Leonard signed one four years, if I'm not mistaken, like 173. So these guys got, ultimately, you know, Supermax contracts, and the the main one I want to talk about is Joel Embiid because does that hold Philly back from ultimately competing and being a championship team? I don't think it does. You have to, I mean, Joel Embiid, top five to seven player, however you want to look at it. He's a top three to five talent, but night in and night out, he's a top five to seven player in the NBA today. One of the most talented centers we've ever seen, whether you want to face it or not and go back to the old school way of how centers played. When you just talk about pure talent, he's one of, he's not the, he's not the most dominant, but he's one of him and and Jokic. The two of the most talented centers we've seen, especially in today's NBA, where You know, they stretch the floor, they shoot the three, they they go from outside in. You know, it's not just dominant around the paint and can you give me a hook shot. You know, centers are able to shoot jumpers and and have a little ball handle. And, you know, Nikola Jokic is an all-time passer when we talk about from the center position. Like, what he does at the center position, he's a great passer. So, I think what what has to happen next with Joel Embiid in Philly, I think they need to really have a a sit-down, you know, a look in the mirror. With their front office and a sit down with Ben Simmons, I think that relationship is broken. Personally, and I think the the best move for Philly and Ben Simmons will be to ship him off. And I think Philly is being a little unreasonable for the asking price for a relationship that's damaged. And everybody in the NBA, you know, around the league, they kind of know that that relationship is damaged. So they're not going to be willing to pay four first rounders and an all star type of talent, you know, to to ultimately land Ben Simmons because they know like it's kind of inevitable right now that Ben Simmons will not be a Philadelphia 76er. So I think with Joel Embiid getting paid, they kind of showed that, you know, I know Ben Simmons is on a nice contract, a lot of money, but they kind of showed to me that their future moving forward is Joel Embiid. And the way they built their team is they built it where Ben Simmons is there, but they built their team to me around Joel Embiid. And I feel like, you know, as as much as as good as I think Ben Simmons is and I know his failures was it was a tough sight to see as good as I think Ben Simmons is I think Philly is making the right move but they do have to get rid of Ben Simmons I just don't think those two ultimately fit together if championship is your your motive to be a really good team and have high hopes going into the playoffs Philly will still be that if they do keep Ben Simmons but as far as ultimately reaching a championship I just don't see them still beating the likes of Brooklyn uh, the likes of Milwaukee, obviously Giannis is on his high horse right now. He's going to be, you know, feeling himself rightfully so coming into the season. He's going to feel like, you know, I think Giannis will come into next season after winning a championship and still feel like he has more to prove. So that's going to be a dangerous sight for the rest of the NBA is that <laughs> Giannis onto the kumpo reaching his prime, entering his prime. Feels like he has a lot to prove after coming off a finals MVP uh, in, in a championship and also an MVP caliber-like season where his numbers were kind of better and more efficient than he's ever been, and he's already won two MVPs prior to this and a defensive player of the year. So I think with Philly, they, they need to figure out what's best. If, if I'm – with what I paid Joel Embiid, like I said, he's the future. He's there for the future. And with Ben Simmons being unhappy, I, I look at Portland and I wonder what Portland's willing – you know, what, what the – prices and I know you say Dame but to me to be realistic I don't think Dame and Ben Simmons is good for even swap I I would look at CJ McCollum and I think both teams would benefit from that trade and and you could say well you know Ben Simmons potential is higher than what CJ McCollum's is but what CJ McCollum is as a player right now to me is kind of exactly what Philly is missing uh you know, a score, a guy who can really get his own bucket score that's not named Joel Embiid at the guard position. I know they'll lose a little bit defensively, but they do have Matisse Tybel. You know, they, they they kept Danny Green. So, you know, they have Mike Scott. They do have some defenders to where I think a CJ McCullum and a Ben Simmons Ben Simmons trade almost straight up would fit perfectly. I know you may say in the future it might not be even value, but I think that would be one of the better trades. A possibility of Philly really being able to compete for a championship. Uh, I also would say that you know I know they were looking at De'Aaron Fox, but they were looking at Ben Simmons for De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Hill, and like Halliburton. Like that's kind of ridiculous. With after we're all witnessing Ben Simmons come off of what we would say a fall off season, and that's the asking price. That way is like all right, a future you know high caliber all star and possible superstar in De'Aaron Fox. Probably a really, you know, potential superstar the minute he gets out of Sacramento. We know stars get hidden out there. Look at what it did to Boogie's career, uh, DeMarcus Cousins. So I, I don't want to see De'Aaron Fox happen the same way. And I think he really could be really the true key of what Philly would be missing. I mean, man, imagine had they pulled off, you know, where they get even not Halliburton, but they, they get a De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hill I mean, phew. Philly at that point maybe looked at, you know, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Hill, Danny Green, uh, Tobias Harris, you know, Seth Curry, like that might look like that could be the favorite coming out of the East. I know, you know, you know, with Matisse Thybul and Tyrese Maxey and, and all those guys, they'd be coming off the bench. I, I think Philly would have a strong case that they would be better suited for a, a championship than even Brooklyn because outside of Brooklyn's big three, they have some questionable pieces. So, I think that's just something that Philly needs to look at, and they kind of need to consider and probably lower their price. I know you're looking at, man, it could bite us in the butt five years from now, but to win a championship, you can't think about five to six years from now. You know, teams are all in. Age doesn't matter. Look at the Lakers. Even look at the Miami Heat. You know, they they felt like they, it was necessary for them to improve, and, you know, they ended up doing a sign-and-trade and getting rid of a young, promising talent, precious Attua. And obviously, Goran Dragic to, to lure Kyle Lowry in the sign-and-trade to be able to make him shake. Over there in Miami, they got P.J. Tucker. They got Markeith Moore. So, age is not necessarily a factor on teams trying to win championships. Uh, like I said, the Lakers roster, we know their age. And, you know, whether you question whether that's built for success or not, there's probably a conversation for another time. But I think Philly just needs the – you can't look at five years from now. You have Joel Embiid now. I think you need to get the best of him while he's in his prime. You know, he's kind of injury prone. So, you know, before he ends up really, you know, knock on wood, but hopefully he doesn't have a, a injury that derails the rest of his career. I think, you know, I think it's about time that that Philly makes that move and they lower the asking price and clearly no team is willing to trade it. We, we talked about Golden State and possible James Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins and both of their lottery picks for Ben Simmons and, Clearly, that wasn't the move Golden State wanted to make and probably for the best for that organization, for the right now and the future when you really think about who they were able to draft. And I think those two draft picks would have made Philly a lot better contenders also. I'm not all out on Ben Simmons. I just think Ben Simmons needs a change of scenery. And I think giving Joel Embiid the the extension that we knew he was going to get, but in in the time of where we think Ben Simmons is ultimately going to be Traded, I think it sent the message that the way the team is built, it looks like it's built around Joel Embiid, not Ben Simmons. And it just looks like there's no future there. I know they say, I think it's all smokescreen saying that they would love Ben Simmons to continue his career there. But I think they're just trying to raise his value coming off of a disappointing playoff performance where when we talk about Ben Simmons, like this was a guy who was once valued at for James Harden. Essentially, it was like a, a James Harden for Ben Simmons straight up, possible hard, uh, Simmons and Maxi. Uh, for Harden straight up. But, you know, prior to this season, that was Ben Simmons' value. Now, you know, and that's a, a ultimate value. I mean, we're talking about a superstar in this league and James Harden is what you're valued for trade at, maybe a promising rookie just so, you know, Houston has something to build on giving up their superstar. But now, like, that's not even close to Ben Simmons' value, and they're still kind of asking that same asking price and essentially multiple first-round picks, a couple second-round picks, and an all-star caliber player, to me, After a disappointing playoff performance where everybody saw that there's something wrong, you know, with Ben Simmons is now you tried to raise the stakes on what you're willing to get or receive for him. And I just don't see it there. So I think that, you know, they're clearly building around Joel Embiid. And that needs to be something that that Philly really looks at and and ultimately considers uh, whether they want to you know, win a championship or they just want to be a really good regular season team and a competitive playoff team that can never get over the hump. So, you know, with that being said, I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening here on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. I'm your host, Mo Murphy. As always, make sure you go check out OffTheBallNetwork.com for all your sports needs and entertainment. Make sure you go check out Up In Flames. Go follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Up Flames Pod. Also go follow my personal account at mo underscore cheese fifteen. Oh, and make sure you go check in my bookie. Go to mybookie.ag where they'll match up fifty percent up to thousand dollars of your first deposit. So make sure you go check out my bookie for you gambling people. Football season is coming up. College football, NFL. It's about time to create you an account. And what better way to do it than with our people over there at my bookie? Use promo code off the ball that'll let you know that myself from Up In Flames or anybody else, any of my good people from Off The Ball Network sent you. And on that note, I appreciate everybody once again for tuning in, listening. Shout out to everyone. Everybody have a great Monday and a great week of success. And on that note, Up In Flames is out.